Doc Leipzig, the oldest festival for animation and documentary in the world, is happening in a hybrid format in 2020. We're embracing the opportunities that come along with it. Welcome to the new Doc Industry Program podcast. Realized in collaboration with What's Up with Docs, the programmers of Color Collective and independent film industry curator Temba Bieber. Welcome to a series of discussions on subjects such as story sovereignty, diversity and inclusion in the documentary industry, and decolonizing our industry in general. These podcasts are funded by Creative Europe, the City of Leipzig, the BKM, and MDM. We thank our partners and supporters for their contributions. Enjoy. In response to decades of discriminatory film school curriculums that exclude the work and ignore the accomplishments of Black, Indigenous, and people of color filmmakers, the programmers of the Color Collective proposed a solution. This global group of Black, Indigenous, and people of color film curators share their knowledge of overlooked and underrepresented cinema, pitching the syllabuses they wish existed. This unique four-part series, with great support from Lucy, encourages you to kickstart your own independent study from home. The Program of Color Collective organization aims to stimulate conversation around the underrepresentation of people of color within film programming and act as a catalyst for transformative change towards a more inclusive international programming pool. This podcast is commissioned and hosted by Doc Leipzig, the oldest festival for documentary and animation, the rich and storied history that celebrates film and promotes faith. So my name is Chama Onyenwe. I'm the artistic director for the Africa International Film Festival based in Lagos, Nigeria, and I've been programming for AFRIF, another international film festival for over seven years. I'm also a filmmaker. Uh, I'd like to introduce my guest for the podcast today, Theresa Hill. She's a manager at Steps, a media for social change nonprofit organization. She has worked on the award-winning Steps for the Future, Why Democracy, and Why Poverty documentary projects over the past 20 years. She's the acquisitions manager and curates the free-to-view AfriDoc online documentary platform since 2014. She's a Lajima Foundation board member and has participated in various film festival juries and selection panels. Hi. Welcome, Theresa. Thank you. <laughs> so why are we here? So our podcast today is called Africa is a Continent. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, because we're always kind of correcting the fact that Africa is, Africa is not a country. But in so many ways that we're different, we're also so similar. So the documentaries that I've made across the continent still kind of represents, like, I think every country would still watch it, but like, yeah, that's, that might be us, you know, <laughs> even politically, economically. So there's still so many kind of variants that run across uh, the continent. Um, Africa is both an old woman and a baby. So I guess a lot of the countries on the continent are probably as old as the white six. It's probably about 60 years old mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, in terms of attaining independence. Um, and, you know, historically, I guess the idea is like a lot of the documentaries that are made about Africa has not been made by Africans. So in the past, in more recent times, the past 10, 15 years, there are more documentaries kind of coming out that have been made for Africa by Africans. So, Theresa, like, what are your thoughts like on that? Like, have you seen like a change in the documentaries in the, in, in the landscape of the past 10, 15 years? How has it been since you've been working on documentaries with Africans now telling their own stories? I mean, I think that's actually um, starting to change in 
in the very recent past that that change has started to happen. Um, when I'm curating for Afridox, it still is um, hard to find films about Africa made by Africans. That's changing. And I mean, there are lots of reasons for why that happens. But um, a large part of the body of work that's out there about Africa is still made by European and American filmmakers. Um, I think largely because it's an issue of resources. Um, and I think what what's sparking the change is that um, there's a lot more conversation about film happening on the continent, a lot more networking, a lot more um, looking at identity and wanting to tell our own stories. I think that's a that's a topic that happens that takes place all over at all of the festivals, at all of the markets, at all of um, the panels that I've certainly been on. Um, so I think that's a positive change, and I'm just always excited uh, to find films that have an African, an authentic African voice, because I think the perspective is important and tells a completely different story. Definitely. <laughs> yes, I think it's, um, I agree completely. <laughs> um, going to basic, so now for, for the, I think for the rest of the podcast, we're going to be named, we're going to be kind of talking about the films that have been made uh, in the past decade. Like I said, it's still relatively new. Not mm -hmm. a lot of the films uh, have been out, made by African filmmakers. So we want to highlight them. Um, and starting with kind of, I guess, the theme about the themes around like nation, national identity. Uh, and nations being reborn. I guess the politically, when you think about it, a lot of the countries in Africa were not, they didn't come together on their own. So that identity had never been fully developed. Like, why are we a country? Why are we a nation? As opposed to being, you know, lines drawn by either maybe colonial masters or, you know, so, and we are still grappling with, with that identity and with that nationality across the continent in so many different countries. Um, and that has also kind of sparked like lots of conversations from filmmakers um, in terms of what is this, why are we Egyptians? Why are we from Sudan? Why are we Nigerians? What makes us Nigerians, you know, outside of language um, and culture and religion, you know, what is the thing that binds us together? So starting, I guess, with uh, this is a film that is very, very interesting, uh, a very interesting kind of take because it was shot during a civil war, uh, Beats of the Antonov by Hajush Kuka from Sudan in 2014. Uh, so basically, it, Sudan was in a state of, has been in a constant state of civil war since we achieved independence. Uh, and on the border, uh, there's um, people called in the Blue Nile and that live in the Nuba Mountains, and they're, they're in the crux of that civil war. Um, but we saw the Antonov had a very refreshing take um, to showcasing Africa at war, you know, because it was about music, uh, and it was about how, you know, it was so upbeat and lively, and it was about community. Uh, and that's, I guess, that's, that, that's very key in, in, in telling that story, because it's not about it's not about the war, it's not about the destruction, it's not about like, you know, the lives that are being lost. So it didn't take that, you know, journalistic view, um, but instead it kind of went deep into the you. How did you feel when you saw it? And where were you? Where did you see it? Um, I actually, we, we licensed it for Afridox 
Um, and the first time I saw it, I think was just uh, watching a preview link. And I think what, um, just to, to touch on what you've just said now, I think what's great about this film is that it is inspiring and it talks about the realities of war, sure, and that comes across in many documentaries about the continent. There's not much you can talk about about Africa if you don't sort of include things like war and civil unrest. And um, that in many ways becomes the the picture people have of Africa. And so I think for a documentary filmmaker, it must be such a challenge to tell the story of where you're from, but not to focus on the negativity. Because, I mean, you know, we know, we live on this continent. We know what everybody's able to do, what the capabilities are. We're innovative. We can create, we can connect through music like people do in this film. And I think um, what this film also highlights is that there is strength in our diversity. So, you know, we may be from different tribes, we may be different races, we may come from different parts of the continent, but we all have that thing that you were talking about earlier, all these differences, but there's that common thread that binds us across the continent. So um, this is one of my favorite kinds of, of documentaries in that there's the reality, there's the there's the sort of doom and gloom and the seemingly unsurmountable issues that we have to deal with on the continent. But there's also this light and this energy and this uh, sort of passion to try and overcome that and to make something of ourselves. So, I mean, you couldn't ask for more in a film. It just has all the, it ticks all the boxes. Yes, it does. <laughs> Yes, it does. And that's it's number one on the list. Well, but it's, this list is in no particular order. <laughs> cool. So, but yes, um, perfectly done. And I think, and that's really, that's really why, that's really why it's necessary, you know, filmmakers to be able to give dignity to, to their stories. Um, and even as music is the main feature and it pulls the communities together, it, it shows resilience, you know, of, you know, of even while the, the communities are oppressed and there's, but there's so there's so much more. There's so much more, and these kind of demonstrates all of that in terms of identity, hope for the future, and even amongst the human beings. So that's a fantastic film um, that you should check out. <laughs> uh, so going down, so still on uh, kind of like that whole kind of national identity. I think one of the more popular films um, that was made was called The Square. Uh, by Dehani Jane, um, and it was it was big. I guess it was like a Egyptian American documentary about you know the Arab Spring, picking up from Egypt, and he went on to be nominated for awards. Uh, but the the film I want to highlight, uh, so that's available uh, to see. But also going, <laughs> but the film I want to spotlight today is Amal uh, by Mohammed Siam. Uh, and it also kind of kicks off right at the square, uh, but instead it follows Amal, and this is a teenager who was growing up in post-revolution Egypt. Um, and so as Egypt is changing, she's changing, and she's searching. So it's also like that search for identity and her place within this community and within Egypt, which is, you know, which is 
uh, which is a patriarchy. Um, and then basically, so it's a coming of age story of Amal, and it runs through five years, so kicking off in 20, uh, 2012. And we, so the filmmaker touches base with Amal. Uh, and at the beginning, you know, she's right at the heart of, of, of the protest. You know, she's dragged by her hair, uh, her hair even kind of pulls out of, 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 the, of her socket, you know. so. And she's feisty and, you know, she's full of fire and she wants to take down the government. Uh, but then she starts to, as time goes on, she starts to maybe even conform. Um, and it's just an interesting way to, like, take, take, take a story about, you know, this big news item, but then follow it through the eyes of one person. And I think that style, uh, that way was very good. I don't know if you've... Uh, uh, you've heard, you, you know, um, uh, Mohammed. I do. This is also this is not, yeah, this is not his first film, uh, but he's made some really, really interesting uh, films. Um, he had another one called Whose Country, uh, which was his first feature. So yeah, but it's basically a coming of age story. Um, as the country is finding her voice, Amal is also finding her voice, and over time, you know, we. We see her, you know, from the beginning, you know, her hair is not covered. She's, you know, she's a tomboy. And at the end, she's thinking, you know, do I, can I change this? Can I change the system from outside or do I just join? And now she's, you know, she's covered um, and she's going back to focus on her studies and she even wants to become a police officer. So it's a very kind of interesting, nuanced uh, documentary, Amal, um, that's also want to highlight for everybody to take a look at. Um, and then moving on, actually, because we're still talking about like that whole coming of age of a nation, coming of age through personal story. Um, and then we're talking about uh, Finding Sally by Tamara, Tamara Dowie. And uh, thank you, because you recommended, I hadn't seen that until you mentioned it, uh, but it was on my to watch list, uh, yes. Theresa. And um, it was, it's, it's, it's such a beautiful film. It was maybe, I think it came out this year in 2020. Yeah. Um, and it's uh, it's an incredible story of a woman who becomes who becomes a communist rebel with the Ethiopian People Revolutionary Party. She gets caught up in the country's revolutionary fervor, and after four, 40 years after her disappearance, this is Sally. Her niece Tamara kind of pieces together the life of her auntie by, by coming back to Ethiopia and almost in some in some in some ways walking in her shoes mm -hmm. uh, by finding love and also like you know getting more in love with the nation as well. So um, yeah, so there's, can you talk about how, what, yeah. where did you um, how did you come across that film? And thanks again for making me watch it. <laughs> it's fantastic. Sure. I, I really um, enjoyed it. I met Tamara in Berlin at the Berlinale and um, so I heard about the film but I was um, helping with the selection for the Durban International Film Festival and for Encounters and the film was on, on both programs and I mean, I think there's a there's a quote, I'm not sure if, if this is accurate, but it's by Werner Herzog, and he says, the most important aspect of documentary filmmaking is casting. And I think that in in all of the films that we've we've just mentioned now, the characters, the protagonists, the people that the story follows are just so incredible. It almost feels like you're watching uh, a fiction film that somebody's cast these people because, you know, they're the perfect characters for for this role. 
and actually it's these true stories so um this this finding sally is one of my favorites of from 2020 and i've watched a lot of films this year <laughs> i mean in lockdown it's basically most of what i've been doing and i just i like the fact that it's it's a very personal journey like you say tamara's pretty much walking in her aunt's shoes and i think the the journey of the film is in many ways um tamara exploring her identity as much as trying to piece together the story of her aunt and her family so i think it's a it's a story of of personal history, but also of Ethiopian history. So it's fascinating on on many levels. It's um, educational. You know, I didn't know that much about Ethiopian politics and history, and so it was a an eye into um, new a, a new country that I didn't know that much about and its history, um, and then also just sort of connecting to Tamara on her journey of trying to find um, what her family is about, who she is, and who this incredible aunt is. Um, I just, I, I find it incredible, such a sort of poetic, gentle story um, that you just go along. And at the end of it all, I sort of like, I can't wait to see Tamara again. I want to take her out for coffee so I can find out more about her fascinating family. It's just a film that's really stayed with me. And it felt like as she was going on that journey, she was also kind of waking up other members of her family. Yes. Because, you know, there, there, there's so many, there's so much unresolved questions. There's so many, uh, they hadn't like, they hadn't, they hadn't dealt with it. They hadn't, and she was forcing them to um, as well. So it's, uh, it was, it was very well done. And what is it about, I think, what is it about women as subjects then? <laughs> are they just like more compelling or, you know, are they just like, do they just tend to carry the world on their shoulders or, you know, like, what is it? <laughs> I, I must that say that I'm, I'm, I'm guilty of, um, of sort of like zoning in on these female-led films and I have to have other people on my team selecting films for Afrodux, otherwise we would just have films about women. Um, it's I don't know what it is. It's something that interests me more. I think it's the the complexity of um, the life of these women and um, the stories they have to tell and the many different things they're sort of juggling. It's just um, I don't know. Maybe we'll come across some some men in our <laughs> in our films. That's the thing because when we're moving on to like the next section, which is also more about women. <laughs> So that's okay. <laughs> I don't know if okay. There's, I'm sure there's like one about you know. Just we'll, we'll get we'll get into it. But I guess because also I guess nations are actually also seen as female. So when you think of a country, you're also thinking of you know a country as as the woman, and then women just kind of navigating so much differently, um, as well. Um, but yes, yeah, so finding Sally by Tamara Dawit um, is basically really, really uh, beautiful. Um, and then the, you know, the archival footage as well, mm -hmm. you know, the photography that was really, really, really well done. And her family life it still was so intertwined with the country. Um, so it was a perfect, perfect casting, as you say, um, with, with that film. Um, so going into more kind of like women, made by women as well, 
And I guess that's the great thing about this list too, that, you know, there, there are a lot of films, uh, I think it's probably about 50-50, I have maybe 50, even more, maybe 60, 60% female filmmakers on this list. Yeah. So it's not hard, you know. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're there and they're so, they're, they're, you know, they're very kind of very well done, very textured. So going uh, along those lines, actually, so the next film, like to highlight, showcase for you to go to see is called In Search by Baro Magoko and Joe Katinga Krama. So it's a Kenyan, doc, Kenyan German documentary uh, made in 2018. Um, as a young girl growing up in a rural village in Kenya, Beryl thought that all women in the world have to be circumcised by going through female genital mutilation at a young age. Therefore, she went through the ritual at a tender age as a rite of passage. And she didn't know about the effects of FGM, as we as we call it, as we call it, female genital mutilation. Uh, many years later, she learns about the rather new reconstructive surgery that promises to give back what was lost. In her author-driven documentary, she explores the emotional dilemma by talking to other women who went through similar experiences. Braille is trying to find out whether she should undergo this surgery, a journey into the unknown for the second time. Will I be making a terrible mistake? Am I ready to face my trauma? Are the questions that drive this authentic and emotional quest into the very self of a young woman. This is so, uh, heavy stuff. Yes, yes. This, this, um, this was this this was a really heavy, heavy documentary, and of course, the filmmaker is in this film and driving this film, so which kind of makes it the uh, even uh, well double because yes. it's, it's her story as well and it's you know the it's it's interesting that till this day you know there's still fgm and you know, there's still nothing going on across the across the continent in so many countries i know in nigeria in kenya um so this was uh this this film came to the afro it was at the festival it won best documentary at the african international film festival last year um, so it was a very, it was a very heavy moment. I remember the screening, um, during the festival and it was, it was heavy, it, you know, it was, um, very, yeah. So what, what, what's, um, what do you think about, about, did you meet with Beryl? Um, I know it's also an Afri-Doc. Yes. I haven't met her, no, but, um, the the issue is is obviously an important one on the continent and we've had some other films about female genital mutilation before and I've watched a number of others that are not on the Afridox platform and this film I think is important um, in that it deals with this very important issue um, it's something that that a lot of people can relate to but I think the treatment of it is different it's uh i think it's because it's it's beryl's intimate journey it's her quest for finding answers and um exploring what she ultimately wants to do about this reconstructive surgery through talking to people that have um experienced female female genital mutilation and then also the reconstructive surgery it's just such an intimate look into something um that i'm gonna say intimate again that is such an intimate thing so i think even though this hasn't happened to me i can i can only imagine what it must be like to have to revisit um 
to revisit this sort of um, trauma, like she she questions um, about having to to have surgery and to confront, you know, all the things that she's been led to believe. It's just it's fascinating. Um, I think it's it's a very important film for particularly women on the continent to 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 watch, but I think more importantly to discuss, to engage with the issues, and to to try and find some sort of um, dignity in trying to figure out what what each individual wants to do about this. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's one of the more somber films on the list, I think. But it's I, I, the, the great thing about it is it's also kind of solution driven. Yeah. So it doesn't it doesn't kind of like dwell. Um, even though even though there are points where you know she 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 talks about feeling more guilt because she went herself. Yes. So which is you know at a different point where you know you're too small and you're kind of like being dragged to do it. So having to have that so which which kind of makes made it even more stronger that she was going herself to find the solution. Um, to, to 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 the cutting, and that there is a solution, you know, that there's you know there's reconstructive surgery, and it's, it's how accessible it is at this point. Um, I guess with time, it will continue to be more, um, but it's just um, it's it's yeah, it's uh, it's very huh, it's 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 quite it's quite heavy, um, but also empowering. Yeah. Yeah to to make your own decision about how to move forward you know if perhaps this this happened to you without your your consent or in Beryl's case without actually fully knowing what she was doing um but there's an empowerment in you know sort of re-looking at the situation and making a decision about what can I do for myself yeah and you know, I, I guess like even with the with the woman who had had done the surgery as well, the woman in the hospital, I thought she was just happy. Like you know, you can show me on the camera. Like I'm here. <laughs> I've done it. I'm happy to. I'm happy to talk about it. Like I'm going to go and get my life now. <laughs> and whereas like a lot of the interviews were more kind of like he did and people didn't want to kind of show some of the interviews. People didn't want to show their faces, but you know. It, I I found that so interesting. You know that 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 liberation of like yes owning your your a solution as well so yes so that's a very um very well so very yet empowering documentary yeah uh and then we move on to wagga girls wagga girls by theresa triori dalberg from burkina faso wagga wagga girls so it's a group of young women from wagga study at a girls school to become auto mechanics the classmates become the force of safety, joy, and sisterhood, all while through going through life-changing transitions into becoming adults in a country boiling with political changes. So, yeah, this is such a, this was such a, it was such a fun, like you know how it even starts with like the, you know, with the, with the, with the bikes, <laughs> with the motorcycle. <laughs> it's like it's just like a western. It felt like <laughs> you had like like you had some so elements of being like a western. You know, the, the girls all felt like superheroes. You know how they were presented, <laughs> uh, and it's such a fun documentary. And seeing like young women, you know, there's this girl in the documentary, and they ask about her boyfriend 
and how he would take her, you know, being a mechanic. And she said something like, you know, I've, I've been doing this thing for four years. <laughs> so it's not four days. Like, don't come and waste my time. <laughs> so, so, yes, so it's, it's very empowering. Um, yeah. Take on that. Yeah. Uh, I, I this is also it's the one of my all time favorites. I just like it's a it's a, such a a simple story almost. It's just these these young women um, together trying to become mechanics, but you learn so much about them uh, about each of their lives, and then you know it's like you, there's a camaraderie amongst the women. Um, they speak about their domestic issues, their boyfriends. Um, it's just, it's a great way. It's it's what you were saying about Amal, where there are these characters, or in the case of Amal, this one character, where you get to follow their story and the backdrop of their story is kind of what's going on in the country. And so it's a subtle way of of showing that there's all this stuff going on in the background but you're focused on the characters and the characters drive the story so i like that i like the subtlety of it and it's also uplifting it's one of those those films where it shows it shows the reality of of where they live and and the challenges they have but it's inspiring and it's uplifting yeah yeah um and but you find in, in, in this one, it, they, they seemed a bit more, I guess, like with the other documentaries, they were more they were more open to the camera in some way, um, but they were still a bit shy. So, you know, they were doing this thing where they were, they were really bold with each other, but, you know, they were shy to be, like, in front of the camera. Yes. So it was very, it was very cute, you know, <laughs> how, like, that, that, that style, so they were not, um, and which kind of, like, similar to the next film as well, um, cartoon. Cartoon Offside by Mara Zane. So it's also from Sudan, uh, made in 2019. Um, a group of, and it's about a group of exceptional young women in Khartoum are determined to play football professionally. They are prepared to defy the ban imposed by Sudan's Islamic military government and they won't take no for an answer. So their battle is to get officially recognized as Sudan's national women's team. Um, and their struggle is unwavering. So this is also an intimate portrait of women over the years as we follow their hopes and their moments of hope and deception. So, and despite the, the National Football Federation getting FIFA funds, you know, for the women's team, their team continues to be marginalized. And, but they're, they're wanting to say, come and say, you know, we play for Sudan, we want to play for, we want to travel, we want to, you know, we want to fly the country flag, even in a country where uh, they're not supposed to be playing football or they're not supposed to be, you know, so that's, it's it's still and it still has you know that camaraderie and that team spirit. Um, so why 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 do you like this film? Um, it's similarly to to Wagga Girls, and I think there've been other films um, sort of sport related uh, from from Africa that that deal with similar issues of um, of people being marginalised because of their gender. Um, specifically in in soccer in this instance, and I think like Wagga Girls, it's 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 uplifting and it's inspiring because these women, despite the the religious laws and um, 
what they're and the restrictions they're um they're not letting that dampen their spirit and they're not letting it affect their love and passion for football so um it's just one of those like you're rooting for the girls and you want them to to get as far as they possibly can and to overturn these patriarchal idiots who just want to you know repress them Uh, so it's one of those forms where you're just like you're rooting for the women yeah, and, and you know, and it's also kind of visually like you know you're seeing like you're seeing this one play football and they're giving you know playing football with their scarves and they're fully you know that that in 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 you know in attire that is not suited for not supposedly suited for soccer, uh, but they're killing it. You know, yeah, giving headers there, you know, there. <laughs> it's um, and yeah, and it's positive, it's jovial. Um, and but they have they have a drive. They want to compete. They want to they yeah. want to they're, and and I guess and that's the thing about these films as well is like there's been, there's no there's no victim. You know none of the uh, none of the none of the subjects none of the characters in this film feel like victims. You know even if they're doing things in spite of their governments, they're doing things in spite of their situation. But they all have they all they all own you know they all own their space. Um, and they don't, you know, they're not, they're not shown as, they're not portrayed as victims. Yeah. Even, even when they could be, you know, so it's, I guess it's, it's also w- one of the key, key things with Africans telling their own stories is because they don't, they don't see it, you know, they don't, mm-hmm. I, I guess it's, it's a different eye. Somebody coming from outside might say, oh, poor, this is, this is such a sad thing that's happening to you. But someone who lives with you is like, well, you know, it's life. Finish doing this. <laughs> exactly what next you know like how we how, how how do we keep how do you keep pushing how do you keep like you know hustling or how do you keep you know how do you keep the drive and that's you know that's what is exciting about these films um so far and uh okay the, the good thing i didn't say there was a number of films initially i think i was thinking oh we'll do like the top 10 the past 10 years and then i started as i like, hmm. <laughs> it's hard to, it's hard to mention 10 so it'll be 10 ish yes. uh so yes so now i guess the the next kind of um jump will be to talk about um films that are about our economic realities and our futures you know like what's i guess the thing about well Social, social, economic, political—they're kind of all entwined, and the goal is always to like have a a better tomorrow. Uh, the goal is always like, how can how can I get myself out of? How can I improve on this situation? And that's like a common theme uh, across the continent. Yeah. Um, with with immigration, and I guess the, this this next film is called Chaise Jolie Coiffure. Is you have to tell me pronunciation. It's because it's French. You know, Rose is by Rosine Ma, 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 is by Rosine Mabakam. So please forgive me if you listen to this and I just like really just um, <laughs> mess up the. So let me let me apologize before <laughs> mentioning it. Shares Jolie Coiffur by Rosine Mabakam. She's from Cameroon and uh, Belgium. It's made was made in 2018, and it's about Sabine. Sabine is a Cameroonian hairdresser who runs the small salon. In Matongi district of Brussels. Despite having been in Belgium for almost for almost a decade, she's still awaiting a decision on her on her asylum application. This intimate portrait captures Sabine's daily life in the salon, 
perfecting her craft while whiling away time talking and laughing with an eclectic cast of patrons and visitors, many of whom also have the same fears about deportation. And it was shot entirely within the confines of the salon. Mabakan's um, engaged attentive camera reveals a reality of life in this little known corner of the city. I guess that's what was really interesting mm -hmm. for me that it was just it was it was it was so contained, but the film didn't feel claustrophobic at all. Because Sabine was such a enigmatic character, you know, and she so even when she was just like pulling, I I think it was just that like pulling hair, you know, like. <laughs> <laughs> when she kept her, like just pulling in here and that was basically um it's so and 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 i and i love like because there's so many like you see there's so many immigration stories mm -hmm. you know and there's so many kind of stories and films about you know crossing the borders and being stuck on the water and you know the lebanon and you know all of those horrors and this so managed to capture it was in a, in a way that she you could you we were tell you were telling the story of a survivor from her mouth you know from she was telling her own story and she, she didn't feel any kind of sympathies for herself um it was just something that needed to be done you know to to improve on her you know on her life and even while you know with it was yeah she's she was such a fascinating such a fascinating character um yeah and what do you think about the style in terms of like cause a lot of the times i guess like Docs always have to be exploratory. Yeah. And, you know, and um, out. For, for, for a film that was so kind of contained, what, what were your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, uh, I have to make a disclosure here. My, my, one of my pet peeves is watching a film that takes place in one location. It's just like, I need to see more. But with this film, um, it's exactly what you say. It's amazing that you get you get to explore so many different people's lives, so many different stories, um, this about this migration theme, in in the salon. It's incredible, and you don't ever feel claustrophobic. And I think it is testament to Sabina's, um, just her character, the people that that she that pop their heads into the salon that. She just obviously has a great personality. She connects with all these people. They come to her. And it's just sort of in the course of her day that she's just giving us all this information. Um, I really like this film. For the past three years now in Afridox, we've been doing annual themes on migration. And it is all of those stories that you that you mentioned, people being lost at sea, um, the sort of horrors of passage to Europe, all of that that you that we see on the news and that you can see on our Afridox platform at the moment. We're currently doing another migration stories campaign. And this film just is like a bird's eye view on the issues of migration. Like you get to like really zone in on on what people are struggling with, but without all of the the drama and um you know the the stuff the nightmarish stuff you see on the news and you hear about all the time. So I think it deals with the issues quite succinctly and the the style of just shooting it in the salon is great. I mean, that's kind of where everybody spills their secrets, don't they, when they're getting their hair done. So, yeah. <laughs> what is it about, like, black women's salons in my life, you know, and, and having all the tea and all the everybody's, you know, everybody's secrets and yeah. I think that's probably like a source that I, going forward, that should be like the source for documentaries. <laughs> so 
like sit in the salon and just like get all the get all the information, get you know, exactly. the, you know who is married to who, who left who, you know, like what's you know, what's going on. It's an idea for your next film. <laughs> it's, it, 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 it is. I mean, it'll be a, it'll be a source, right? Yes, just to go sit there and find out what's going on and get the pulse. Yeah. You know? And and she was able, like like you said, Sabine was kind of able to draw conversation, and people were you know people were able to speak to her. She was very you know she was she was very direct. She was able to speak for herself, um, and you know there was. Um, yeah, and it just kind of captured everything because even when you know there was um, there were a few people that were passing by and taking pictures of her, and she said you know she said something about you know we paid to go to your zoos, you know, so <laughs> it was very <laughs> so it's um, and not and still not feeling at home, you know, not feeling you know not feeling like you could go out to Christmas, you know, you could have yeah. plans for Christmas or you know, and so yes, yeah, so I was saying that she was such a engaging subject. Um, and people were able to kind of con- converse with her and she was able to kind of talk to other people. And um, it's a very, I guess, it's a kinder approach, you know, it, it's a kinder approach to, to this, to, to this um, to the topic of migration. Um, and there was a point in, this, in the documentary where people were taking pictures of, of them in the salon and she said something about, you know, we paid to go to your zoos. And it's also that not feeling, not feeling at home, you know, because you're not settled. Because she hadn't, she still hadn't gotten her papers. Um, but yes, but still very, very, very hopeful. Not, you know, not um, and engaging. Uh, it was a very kind of interesting documentary and interesting take. Yeah. So um, okay, moving on to no gold for Kasalka. This is also from Burkina Faso by Michelle Zongo. Um, when the government of Burkina Faso starts to issue mining permits in 2000, gold fever strikes. In 2008, a British mining company starts the first open pit mine in Kasalka, digging away the soil as vital to villagers' lives. It's not long before the first kilogram of gold has been mined from a reserve at 18 metric tons. The people of Kastanga are promised mountains of gold, jobs for the villagers, scholarships for their children, money from the government, and development aid for the next 10 years. But six years later, all that's happened is that mountains of gold have been taken away from them and they're left with nothing but polluted land. We were ignorant, uh, but now they're seeking justice. I mean, it's kind of a age-old story of big multinationals coming in making promises and exploiting resources and people it's a a story the african people know very well yes so but it's 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 it it, it, i was very angry you know when i watched that film um uh, I, I was angry because, you know, in, well, for, for Burkina Faso is their goal, but this is 2000. This is like, this is literally just 20 years ago. I mean, in Nigeria, it was the oil. Um, in some other places, you know, all the natural resources uh, and going out without any kind of refinement, coming back in more expensive. So is this, um, it's still this kind of like economic, for now is the government, is, you know, multinationals working with, with the country's government and everybody's getting everybody's getting rich but you know but the people 
Yeah. Yeah. It's a very story of our lives moment. Yeah. So very. Uh, Absolutely, but but also a little bit of inspiration there that they're not sort of um, just going to lie down and take it now. They're wanting justice. Yeah. <laughs> and this film is I, I, by a man. It's a great film. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> finally. <laughs> uh, it's, 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 it's a good film, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's very, I guess, it's, it's basically, it's, it's the kind of film that makes us like hold a mirror to ourselves, right? And the idea is, as, as the people, we should, we should, we should get angry, or, yeah. you know, we should do more, or we should protect ourselves, um, or we should get more information, um, because now, you know, there's, the land is, is the land is useless uh, mm-hmm. for them, and you know, and the gold is gone, and who to hold, you know, to us. And it's it's interesting because they're still kind of finding more natural resources in on the continent. So it's this would be good for people to kind of like watch um, and see, you know, that it's not even it's not it's not history this is not like history this is not mm-hmm. something that happened in the 90s or in the 80, in the 1800s so in the early 1900s this is still happening in 2020 yeah um, so that's um, that's a good that's a, a good, good reminder um, yes it's a good reminder uh, and yeah so it's it's for it's for the people uh, but it's great to watch and also talking about um, well activism Yes, and people taking people taking up you know the mantle, and people taking up saying that enough is enough. Um, so we go on to Softy by Sam Sokol, which is also another male filmmaker. Yeah, <laughs> from Kenya, um, and this is his debut. This is his first uh, feature documentary um, from Sam Sokol. So it talks about it's, it's the story of Bonnie Face. Bonnie Face Softy Mwangi has long fought injustice in his country as a political activist. Now he's taking the next step by running for office in a regional Kenyan election. From the moment Boniface decides to run, telling his wife and Jerry in passing with a hesitant laugh, he responds to each challenge with optimism. But running a clean campaign against corrupt opponents becomes increasingly harder to combat with idealism alone. And Boniface soon finds that challenging strong political dynasties is putting his family at risk. Should country really come before family, as is always believed. This is another favorite for of mine for twenty twenty. I mean, it doesn't get any better than this for inspiration. This guy is incredible, um, and I think it's like it's more than just it's the story of of somebody who believes and will fight for his country no matter what, and that kind of passion and drive and resilience is admirable it's just it's incredible um but but it's it's that and that's that's a big deal in the film it's huge the activism the struggles the sacrifices that he makes but there's also the love story with his with his wife um their love and and that i guess sort of keeps him going you know there's 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 that part in the film where they're separated and he needs her because she's she kind of keeps him going it's I don't know I mean I watched this film but I just felt so so embarrassed for myself for not doing anything 
in terms of activism. It's just like it just makes you want to go and do something. You just feel so bad for being like a normal human being, just getting on with your life and not making any difference. But just tweeting and making like Facebook posts. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah. Hour. Let me have some coffee. <laughs> but yes, but I, I guess it's but he's but on the other end, like he's surrendering everything. Like it's like it's it's at what cost, you know? Like you, the love for his country is, and he's ready to give up everything, you know, his family. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like it's it's scary, you know, to have that kind of passion, like to have that kind of, and then for for your country, you know, yes. like it's it's almost like you know, is it worth it? You know, is it like it's. I don't know. I don't know. I think uh, there is also, yeah. You know, there's also a part in the film where I think his his wife sort of questions that about like what happens if you die, and and he says something about you know then at least I will have made a difference, and then she's like, well, if you you know if you're dead, will you make a difference? And it's you know it's that, like how do you how do you balance that? I think the the. The real activists out there, there are those sacrifices that they have to make. Um, you can't have everything and sometimes doing, you know, sacrificing all of this for your country is, you know, if there weren't people like, like him, what would the world be like? It would just be us doing our social media activism. Yeah, but then why, I guess the question is why, 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 why? Everybody sees that you know he's this great guy. He's, he means well. He's the activist. So why 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 are the people not resonating? Like why can't you know? It, it's yeah. still I guess it's still a concern to us, right? So if we find if we why do we still kind of vote the way we do? Why do we like you know? Why don't why do we make the choices that we make as citizens? You know. So there's the it's it's uh. But yeah, and his wife and Jerry in this is also kind of like the heart of this film, mm -hmm. you know, because she's um, she's also you know she's also you know she's also an activist, also strong, but able to kind of like balance. I think I guess a bit is it better, yeah, um, than he than he does. Um, but yes, but you can see that she's also you know very passionate, um, and it's it's a lovely it's um, it's a very timely film. You know? Yes, it's, it's even you know even with current you know wave of you know politics that's going on around the world so it's it's basically a film that everybody like it's it's, it's important for everybody to watch like yeah it's not um i guess political systems across the world are corrupted mm -hmm. you know and elections are political financing is corrupted you know so it's not an african thing it's not uh it's it's everywhere around the world so yeah. it's yeah it's a very it's a very important film. It's it's sad that the corruption films about corruption resonate so much with everybody, but I guess that's our reality. Okay, so moving on to I guess um, this part. This part, well, it's I, I call it legacy, but you know I don't know. Um, so there's a film called so this film is it was made in 2019 also from Kenya. I just want to stop before I even go on and say um, the films coming out of East Africa, the documentary films coming out of East Africa in the past five you know three to five years has been you know amazing. So there's something in the water there in the air on the mountains, 
that's um, happening with the filmmakers uh, there. But I guess there's also DocuBox, you yes. know, and you know having having access to financing, which is what goes to what you say about how can we make it sustainable. And so we can see there's so many kind of films coming out of. Um, I think this is my third film from Kenya. Yeah, I think there's it. I think there's a there's a good film community there. I, I mean, I'm not I'm not so sure about the the funding and which which avenues they have access to or what's different about East Africa, but like you say, there is DocuBox and the it just seems to me like there's a good community going and that um they're able to network and there are opportunities for training and development. So yeah, it's really paying off. Yes. Um, the, so this film is also from Kenya. It's called The Letter by Maya Liko and her husband, Christopher King. Um, and basically, Carissa's city life is interrupted when his grandma's back, when his grandma back home is called the witch and receives a death threat. So he returns to his rural village to investigate and he finds a frenzied mixture of consumerism and Christianity. Christianity is turning hundreds of families against their elders, branding them as witches, as a means to steal their ancestral land. As Carissa delicately navigates between his dis disputing aunties and uncles, the love for his grandmother and her fearless spirits must overcome the imminent danger of the accusation against her. Wow. Ha, this film... <laughs> this film was everything. Like, I loved it so much. Um, and it's, I guess, like, it's, 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 it's the melting pot of everything, you know, it's basically where everything comes home to, it come home, comes home, home to roost, you know, um, from, and it's, 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 it's the family. So I guess, um, if the family unit itself is broken, then, then where is, where do we go from there? You know, where do we, how do we even, how do, how do we kick off from there? Because this is, this is within the family. Um, and there's um, there's there's infighting, and they're trying to take to this this what what happens in in in, in well in the region is they take they send letters back and they, they call their elder ones witches so they can come and claim their land. Uh, then there's the community where they're banished to if they're not killed, um, and you know blame them for everything, you know, whether it's uh, infertility or you know problems with their businesses. Yeah, I mean, there's so many things that are going on here. I mean, it's the it's like the, there's the modern day witch hunt that's happening. Um, there's, I guess, economic desperation that's that's forcing the ch the children of these so-called witches to employ these superstitious tactics to get rid of their elders, um, or you know, just being you know finding ways of manipulating the situation. In their favor, um, there's religion that plays a part, um, and and again, this film, the the grandmother and the grandson. I mean, these characters are excellent. That grandmother, you just your heart just sort of opens up for her, and the whole time during the film, you're sort of like on tenterhooks, hoping that she doesn't get killed. Um, it's just. 
there's so many things and I think the the story itself again is quite a um, the way that the filmmakers have dealt with it is quite a, a small story they don't kind of attempt to deal with all of the issues but just kind of in their way through the grandmother's story um, highlight the things that are that are happening in her world and so are the important issues of 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 the region um I mean, it's 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 incredible this this witch hunt, and you know this. I mean, it's ridiculous. So you know, how can you get evidence to support this? And it's um. The, I mean, I I got really angry watching this film. Just so so afraid for the grandmother, but also um so angry at these kids that were trying to to use this superstition to to enrich their lives and to steal land away from the grandmother um yeah little kids these are like you know adults yeah you know respected in the society like uncles and i guess i thought like you know the one thing going for, like the one thing i know like across the continent is you know we have respect for our elders you know that's what, like, that's like if there's one thing we get right yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> we get the respect right you know <laughs> we get like that's uh where even like maybe a bit too respectful you know yeah um it's just to kind of like have this this situation where they're being witch hunted and it's, it's mainly and it's, it's mainly economical you know it's, it's basically access to land access to, you know inheritance um and uh, things like that so i guess it's it also shows but yes i guess the way they had told the story and not made it like um not make, didn't go too in-depth into the issues it feels like a film that you could take back into the community mm -hmm. and it could same thing hold a mirror to themselves and they could watch it so i guess like there's there's um there's also like that gaze um that kind of runs across like all of the films that we mentioned like where where you make a film but just not not just making an African film by an African filmmaker, but you're making it even for an African audience mm -hmm. and have them being able to watch, uh, to go back and watch those films and not, and see themselves, but not see themselves, you know, there's some self-reflection, but it's not, it doesn't feel judgmental. Yeah. Because, you know, the, because the, in, in this film, you know, the family is there, they're, you know, they're talking and, you know, it, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how self-reflective they would be, you know, because in them, I guess, like you would still, they still believe what they believe. And how do you, how do you change your mindset? How do you like start to tackle that? I guess that's. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think you just, you just talk and talk and talk and hope that that something resonates for somebody to, to make them, just consider what what they, yeah what their worldview's been. I mean, I think it was also interesting that in this accusation against the grandmother that it was pretty much the male children who were accusing her of being a witch and, the, and the, her daughters were seemingly on her side. Um, it was just uh, an observation that maybe, you know, the sort of patriarchal idea of land being owned by men or another issue to explore yeah but, but the other um it's yes yeah, there's um uh, there's uh, 
there's there's also the question of I guess like you know like there's something that she said about her kind of like writing a will or and um, her, her her daughter was saying you know but if you tell if you tell her to write a will it's like you're telling her that you're ready for her to die <laughs> and and that's that's a, that's 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 like an interesting thing because I know like you can't you can't kind of mention a will it's almost like a taboo it's, it's, yeah. it's not a, it's not a responsible legal document. It's like, oh, you're planning something for me, right? That's why you want me to write down what I have. <laughs> so so it, it was so interesting because I, I, I cut that and I was like, yes, that's... Uh, it rings you true. Can, you can't really... Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's taboo to talk about things like that. So it's it's very interesting. I mean, we started out saying like Africa. I mean, we started this uh, podcast saying Africa is a continent, but now it's almost like Africa is a country, you know? <laughs> we're regressing you yeah, Chioma <laughs> as we're going through um, so yes then finally I guess this is like a bonus film to watch um, because of course you have to make a documentary that talks about other films wrapping up <laughs> uh, so um, and I guess like that's, that's the um, the great thing about this film, like there's always, I guess it's, it's, maybe that's a Hollywood thing, you know, when you make a film about Hollywood, then it becomes like, it, it wins awards and, and everything, because they like to see themselves. Um, in this case, this documentary is called Semben by Samba Gajingo, Semben by Samba Gajingo and Jason Silverman. It's from Senegal in 2015, and it's, by, it's about Usman Semben. So in 1952, Usman Semben, a dock walker and fifth grade dropout from Senegal, began to dream an impossible dream, to become a storyteller for a new Africa. And Semben uh, tells his story, the father of African cinema, he's a self-taught novelist and filmmaker who fought against all odds to give African stories to Africa. And is told through the experience of Samba, who's his colleague that knows him really well, uh, with the archival footage, with film um, footages of his film, and uh, it just talks about an ordinary man, even like, it, and also it talks about his own kind of failings or his uh, his controversies, even as as a man. Um, but it's it's it was, it was I mean for I guess it's in closing with this is basically like the advice is to you know watch it. It, it's um, it captures basically the spirit of of this podcast and about Africans telling their own stories. And if Africa doesn't, uh, there's a quote there that if Africa doesn't tell their own story, Africa will disappear. And um, it's it's I mean, Sam Ben is Sam Ben. You know, he's you know he's uh, he's known as the father of African cinema. He basically made films that started to travel. You know, he was a can. Uh, uh, film festival. He was he, he kicked off you know this kind of movement uh, and what many people who did uh, for the continent. So it's a great documentary that really kind of talks about like his life. And I think what was sad to me, like even which is what kind of like happens as well, is you know when he first goes back to his office, Samba, and he sees that like all of his films have like rotted and they had you know they've been they're rusty and not yet been unkept. So he had to start like restoring, you know, all of these uh, things. It's also about how how we treat the things that are important to mm. us, you know, as um, on the continent. How we preserve information, how we preserve like legacy. Um, I guess so this is a really good film for that. Cause 
we don't have we don't um we don't have enough biographies we don't have enough you know everything is you know we're very kind of secretive even with people who have been successful um it's always you know if they don't attribute it to religion or you know it, you know so nobody's kind of like oh it's telling you telling us you know this is how they do things and this is how it should be done uh and so yeah so i guess this is um this is a good good film about about film yeah i think i think um, it's also it's important for for us to celebrate um african filmmakers and so not only the greats like the father of african cinema but the african filmmakers that there's so many that have been mentors to to younger filmmakers that um you know that people don't even know about uh, and because they don't get the kind of um, exposure that Western filmmakers do, so it's it's up to to us to showcase those films and those filmmakers and to provide platforms for their work to be known. So, <laughs> what's coming up for for you now with Afridox? What's coming up in the documentary space? Okay, so what's like. Like I mentioned, we're, we're, we're currently doing a migration campaign, um, which, uh, which is happening right now. And, and then, as you know, I work at Steps and we're producing, um, Generation Africa, which is something you know quite a bit about. And, um, and this is going to be a collection of films that has a distinctly African voice. All of the filmmakers are African and the narrative is African and it's, I'm excited about it. I cannot wait for these films to be finished so that we can have them on Afridox and share them across the continent and damn COVID-19 because that's put a pause on a lot of the productions, but we'll get there eventually. So that's very exciting. Um, and then, you know, I'm just always constantly on the lookout for, for new films by African filmmakers. We want to populate this platform and, and just show off the, the crazy talent that Africa has. Thank you. So thank, thank you. I mean, thank you for, for, for your work and for what you're doing with African films. Generation Africa, of course, uh, it's close to my heart <laughs> because I'm also a part of it. Uh, but it's basically 30 films about uh, about migration, um, and it's going to tackle the topic of my of migration. And there's so much. I mean, there's so much happening on the continent now, um, and it's important that we take ownership of the films and of the stories um, because what's what 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 could possibly happen is the same thing that has been happening, and you know, there would be a pillage. Um, and even though there's a village of kind of resources and everything, we still have, you know, we're here and we want to continue telling the stories. Um, so thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you so much. Uh, thank you. Thank you so much, Theresa. Thank you for coming on with this. Thank you to Lucy um, of, of Grammar of Color Collective. Thank you, Anne and Bridget, for organizing and sending emails and putting this together. And thank you to the technical team that would edit and put some music on and make my voice even better. <laughs> and uh, let me just thank all the other curators. It's four parts, so it'll be all interesting. And thank you to Doc Lads like, for putting this together, for commissioning, for curating, for bringing us together to talk about African films and to celebrate African filmmakers. Thank you so much. And thanks for listening. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> Goodbye.